and lo, on the third level deep, we podcasted again. Hello and ev welcome everybody to Three Levels Deep. I'm Santo and I'm here with Matt. Hello. And today we've got a rip-roaring good time of games that we played and potentially things that we've seen. Indeed. Uh, as always, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at threelevelsdeep at outlook.com and you can have your email read right on the podcast. So let's get started here. Uh, Matt, how about you let us know, you know something that you've been playing? Uh, I've been playing a few things. I've uh, I continued down the Resident Evil uh, rabbit hole. Yes. Um, with uh, Resident Evil 3. Mm -hmm. And I... I, so Resident Evil 3, uh, for longtime fans of the series, or 3 Remake, that is, wasn't particularly well-received. Yeah. Uh, apparently it cuts a lot from the original. Oh. And it's only about seven hours it took me to get through the whole game. And you don't have, like, another a second character campaign. There's not really much in the way of replayability of it. Hmm. But... I, having not played the original, I enjoyed it, and having not bought it at full release price of $80... <laughs> there we go. ...and having gone in that humble bundle, I, I enjoyed my experience with it for what it was. But that was just so I could be ready to play uh, some Resident Evil 4 remake when that came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, How did it find you? <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I haven't played the original. That's something I'm going to go back to. So I can't really speak too much on how it is compared to the original. But just on its own, it's it's great. But unfortunately, I was unable to play it right at launch like I wanted. Oh, yeah? Because the eShop was shutting down. Ah, And yes. I found out that there was some DLC you could get for uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright only after you've beaten the game. Yeah, it's a <laughs> odd little thing where, you know, viewing it afterwards, only after you complete it, that makes sense. Only being able to get it afterwards, that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, because the, the, the Wii U eShop fixed this, but the 3DS eShop, it doesn't have DLC. It, well, it, it didn't. Hmm. It, I gotta go past tense now. It didn't have DLC uh, listed yeah. on it. All DLC on the 3DS was accessible through in-game menus that connected to the eShop. Uh, but, yeah, for Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, that menu doesn't unlock until you've beaten the game. So, I played that under duress <laughs> over a weekend before the eShop shut down. Mm -hmm. um, fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's one of the best uh, of those types of you know games, the Phoenix Wright esque kind of games for sure, with one of the silliest twists. Yeah, that <laughs> is completely one hundred percent not feasible in any way. <laughs> but it, 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 it was not where I was expecting it to go at all. No. <laughs> um, although. I'm not gonna say it. it does. There are some plot holes that do bug me that don't work. I <laughs> yeah. I kind of had that <laughs> after the twist happened. I just shut off my brain. Like okay, this is where they're going with, and I'm gonna let them take me for a ride. But yeah, no, that uh, fantastic uh, game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, seeing Professor Layton across from Phoenix Wright in the courtroom, just one of the mwah, yep. one of the, one of the best video game moments I think. Um, I, I will say I was disappointed. That Amir did not appear in the third trial. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you'll recall, the drunk. Oh right. <laughs> the town been... drunk. I played that on release, man. That was a while ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it, it's a love hate relationship with that character. <laughs> um. But he's very he was very he's very memorable to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that is not really a game I want to talk too much about because of it's, uh, it's awkward spoilers. though spoilers <laughs> because yeah it's like all oh, spoilers but now it's impossible to get unless you yeah. are very scrupulous <laughs> or yeah. unscrupulous actually <laughs> or willing to dole out uh, 
money for a physical, physical copy, copy and I have to imagine those aren't aren't cheap. Oh yeah, it was one of uh, a couple games I purchased right at the end there, mm-hmm. along with um, Detective Pikachu, uh, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, because Capcom Capcom at least had a bunch of their stuff on sale. Yeah, and I was just like, why not? I have mm-hmm. some leftover funds from how much I had to add to be able to get stuff. Why not get a handheld Monster Hunter? Try it out. And Pokemon Gold to round out that I now have Gold, Silver, and Crystal on my 3DS. I only have Pokemon Red, though. I did not get Blue or Yellow because those Gen 1 games are broken and just one version is enough for me. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But Gen 2 being my favorite Gen, I kind of want all three of those there. Yeah. I picked up... um... Uh, Picross 3D Round Two, um, which that was not on sale. That was very, that was expensive, <laughs> which made me made me a little sad. But uh, I love Picross. I've only heard good things about the Picross 3D. Uh, I didn't play the one on DS, but yeah, we'll see if that works. And you know, maybe this one will be better just because of the 3DS, you know, actual 3D effects that could make it mm. like kind of nice. Though my thought is it'll probably just make my eyes water, like every kind of 3D. <laughs> like that, VR, like, it's just, like, a sensitive eyes. I'm a sensitive man. That, that, that's why I'm really happy with my uh, 2DS XL. Mm. I, I, got, I got to a point where the 3D was just a gimmick. I was just, I was like, oh, I wonder how this looks in 3D. I'd turn the slider on. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple games where, like, if it didn't make my eyes water, I would have played them in 3D. I think the Etrian games actually looked pretty good in mm. 3D. Because it's just layering the different assets of the... Uh, pretty much, yeah. Like the, like, yeah. The, like the monsters. Because like, there's rows of monsters in Etrian games. So that kind of looked neat. As well as the perspective of the dungeon. Um, but I also picked up... I think the game's called Crimson Shroud. Uh, where it's a... I think it's a JRPG. I don't know if it's like tactical RPG or not. I didn't look too much into this game. All I know is that it's by um, the same uh, director that did uh, Final Fantasy Tactics and okay. the majority of Final Fantasy XII. Um, Matsuda. I forget, I forget his other name. Uh, but uh, and it also uh, has in its like you know 3DS logo where you go to the software and has a little logo with things that move there are dice all of all the different kinds that are in a normal D thing so it's like a simulated dice roll kind of a, a okay. gimmick to it. so like you got d20 rolls and stuff so i haven't started that oh. yet i'm looking forward to it but i've got so many games on the 3ds to play now <laughs> i if i had known about that i probably would have picked that up before it closed it, down. it, it was fairly cheap too um because it was on sale <laughs> Like, particularly right now, because I'm on a bit of a D&D kind of craze, because I've been I've started listening to uh, Critical Role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to kill time at work, and that's been great. Mm. Uh, so, like, a game that just plays, like, with dice rolls like that? Yeah, I probably would have picked that up mm. if I knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one other game that I was thinking of picking up, and then was like, eh, yes, eh, no. And that was Final Fantasy Explorers. Um because I, I do want to play every Final Fantasy game at least a little bit during my lifetime. Uh, but it w- the description of the game gave me pause because it, A, it's an action game, a 3D action game on the 3DS. So chances are that probably doesn't control well without the uh, little like goiter that is the uh, Circle Pad Pro expansion. Or the little uh, the nub on the new... Yeah. 3DS and 2DS hardware. Yeah. Um, and it also has, like, kind of some amount of focus on multiplayer. It, it feels like maybe it was Square Enix's answer to Monster Hunter, but with Final Fantasy. Oh, okay. Is, my, is what it seemed like it could have been to me. So, I'm I, not... I could see a Final Fantasy Monster Hunter working. Yeah, just I could... because of how many, like, big monsters there have been throughout the series yeah i could too um but not on the 3ds (laughs) and again i i I can always mod it or do emulation if i want to play it later and if it does support circle pad pro that means i could potentially 
use a PS4 controller on emulator on PC. <laughs> Maybe that'll control really good. Who knows? I remember, if there is no way to purchase it, it is now ethical to emulate 100%. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I think this game is still released physically, so... <laughs> eh. Whatever. If you don't want to pay exorbitant amount of some money for a <laughs> physical game that Nintendo's not going to see the money from anyways because it's used. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so um, getting back to uh, Resident Evil 4. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah the, the eShop shining down with Professor Lane versus Phoenix Wright, that just that ruined my plans for that weekend. Mm. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't until the next weekend I got to jump into... Resident Evil 4 and yeah no it's uh it's great um like I, I haven't played I'm not too far I forget what chapter I'm on but I think I'm just at the end of the first area mm -hmm. um I, I'm, I'm having a blast with it and from what I've heard Ashley controls a lot better yeah <laughs> it, it's no longer just like point and uh like tell her oh go there go there it's um there, there's two things where it's like either she'll stick tight behind you or stick back. But <laughs> there's been some pretty funny instances yes. where <laughs> if she's sticking right behind you, as Leon, you can duck under attacks if, if it's like a wide swing. And like there's been a couple, I've seen multiple videos of it, of like just enemies attacking with a wide swing and Leon just ducks under and the attack just hits Ashley instead. Yeah. <laughs> so they're flying. It's like, oh dear. <laughs> Do you know if like there's any penalty to if that happens or something? Does she um, have a health bar? Uh, she has a down state. Okay. Uh, but the down state doesn't seem to be a problem. She, I don't think she has any health. Uh, but enemies can pick her up and if they carry her too far away, then you get a game over right but yeah it's I, I i can only imagine having not played the originals i i feel this game still does a good job of replicating that like having come off of two and three mm -hmm. replicating that jump of it going from sort of like kind of pure survival horror to kind of a mix of survival horror action right like it, it does a it, the remake does a good job with that and I mean, the game, it, it's been reviewing very well, much like its original yeah, counterpart. Yeah, I can bet. <laughs> uh, so one of the best games of all time, again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll probably talk more on that once I actually get through it. But yeah, I do want to go back and play four or original so I can actually have that comparison. Yeah, that was now, which version of 4? <laughs> I've got the PC. I've got the Steam version. Okay. <laughs> or as it's called now, uncapitalized for some reason on Steam. Huh. Resident Evil, in parentheses, 2005. Or 2004. I, Whatever. I, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's like how all the... There's certain games in the Steam library that are just all caps. All the time. Yeah. Like all, all the Final Fantasy games are all caps everywhere you look. Um, I think Marvel Snap might also be all caps. But it's a weird, so weird we little have, trend. I, that weekend I had to... I haven't touched Marvel Snap since that weekend I had to binge through Professor Layton. Oh, wow. <laughs> that kind of just put the game down for me. I haven't mm -hmm. really gone back. I've still been checking it out. Not as frequently as before, but... Oh. They're making some good balance changes. They're nerfing things that I want good. nerfed. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's go. But I, I've I downloaded a uh, <laughs> uh, mobile game because I had to get in on a specific collaboration, which was Monster Farm, which is what Monster Rancher is called in Japan. Cross SoftBank. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get the SoftBank dog for oh. uh, Monster Farm Line, which. I've downloaded and realized I'm way too over my head trying to play because it's not in English. Uh, <laughs> I had to download a third-party app store to be able to even download onto my phone because it's only available in Japan. Uh, and I was like, okay, maybe I could do some like you know immersive learning of Japanese. I know a little bit, uh, so maybe I can you know learn learn a little bit more with this. And I'm like, oh wait, no, that's a terrible idea to do in a gacha game <laughs> because there's so many little like mechanics and just like things to uh 
uh, click on and learn. It's like, okay, this is too much. Uh, also, I think I'll never ever learn kanji. Like, no matter how hard I try, it just seems like such a hurdle because there's so many characters and they're so complicated. Yeah. Hiragana and Katakana are actually quite easy to learn. But kanji, I don't know about that. I have a I got a book from a humble bundle that's like easy pictogram kanji or whatever where it's just like they show little pictures that look like the kanji characters of what those characters mean <laughs> so maybe i'll learn that kind of like you know flashcards or something yeah all the all the japanese i've learned this is from anime oh, God, so it's, yeah. it's stuff that's not really actually useful <laughs> yeah the, the only kanji i know is the character for nani <laughs> that's about it <laughs> Oh, but I love uh, I love the mixed phrases like "go sorry and "choto a minute." <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I think the only other yeah, I didn't really play too much here. I did finish off um, Hi Fi Rush. Oh yeah, and yeah, no, that's just a great game with uh, amazing writing, like just. Um, uh, the so the writer uh, is American, but like the, it was, it's developed with a Japanese company. And mm-hmm. when they were writing, the the team was like, I don't know if this will be good, but they just like, no, trust me, this will be good in America. This will be good <laughs> like in in English. They'll they'll get it. And like, yeah, the the comedy hits. Like the protagonist, I'd best describe him as lovable idiot. Okay, yeah. like. Like Fry from Futurama. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, no, just great cast of characters. <laughs> There's a character called Smidge. Okay. Who's a smart fridge. <laughs> who's basically your little tutorial <laughs> character who pops up every so often whenever you get something new to just, oh, hey, you've, ger- you've learned something new. It just like talk you through it. And Smidge hits on you. (laughs) Smidge is very clearly hitting on you. (laughs) But, yeah, no. um, uh, As a rhythm-based character action game, really fun. And you're not really... Or while you are... You can be penalized for not being on beat, but you can also, on the lower difficulties, you could get through it without really playing on beat. Because... Everything come all all attacks like your attacks, enemies' attacks. They all come out on the beat, but you get they they, they end up being better if you're also pressing attack on the beat too. Right. So if if your timing's good, like it it's good. But if you're not good at rhythm games, might be a little tough. I I'm okay at rhythm games, and I'm okay at character action. <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of elements in the game to help keep you... Like, a lot of visual elements to help keep you on beat. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you've got... There's a little companion, like, robot cat called 808. And, oh, that's good. <laughs> and when you're uh, fighting... The cat, like, turns into, like, a little ball that hovers at your side. And there's, like, a little, like, aura that kind of just, like, flashes on mm-hmm. the beat. But then not only that, like background elements in the stage and like the ui is also like all pulsing with the beat so there's lots of stuff you can look at to help keep you on the beat but there's even you can even press um i think it's like the select button and it'll even bring up like a little thing at the bottom to show to like if you're really struggling to just show you like the actual beat (laughs) But it's a, uh, you know, it's a really fun game. I want to see a 100% run of that game where not a single command is done on the beat. <laughs> <laughs> Just the rhythmless run. Oh, uh, that would be hell. Uh, the game does actually have a, I, I forget what it is. It's a really the hardest mode in the game. I think if you drop below a D rank at any point during combat because like much like say devil may cry you've got the ranks in each yeah. combat if you drop like i think it's if you drop 2d you just die oh wow 
That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I was playing some um, theater rhythm, and there were a couple bosses that I was having trouble with, so I tried to do, like, an odd strategy where I tried to do it poorly during the start of the round because one of my special moves requires you to get, like, a perfect hit a certain number of times for it to come out. So I'm like, I want this to come out only when the boss shows up. So I want to, like, be hit slightly off the beat during the early parts of the game. And that's really... That's actually really difficult to do intentionally. <laughs> Just like hit every note to be slightly off instead of on. It's like, ugh. Yeah, for like a $30, $40 shadow dropped game. Yeah, that's sounds sounds incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And for a lot of people, it's easily like, I think that dropped in February. And for a lot of mm -hmm. people, it's already just like game of the year. Well, <laughs> game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's about it for what I've played. Alright, I mean, I can go uh, next with the one game I've sunk all my time into since the last podcast, basically. Uh, which has been uh, Octopath Traveler 2. Um, I've sunk just slightly over 60 hours into it on the game clock, and I made sure that when I wasn't playing it, I pressed the home button on the Switch, so that's pure play time right okay. there. Uh, because the like, ultimate pause. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I I hate games that continue when you hit that home button. Like there mm. there are some games, there's no like ability to pause a cutscene or something, and like oh. you'll think, oh, I'll hit the home, that'll pause it. But oh, that there's sucks. been some games where it still keeps playing when you hit the home button. It's just like that's stupid. <laughs> that's that is stupid. The only thing I could see that with is like. Well, okay, not during the cutscenes. You should always have the option to pause, and, uh, yes. and all you have the option to skip cutscenes. On re opinion. if you're on a replay, yeah. No, I, I I even think on the first play so, you should always yeah. have that option. I don't care how much effort was put into <laughs> it. Like sometimes, you know. Yeah, you should always be able to pause cutscenes, yeah. and shouldn't be a single button press. Like skipping you and skipping should not be a single button press. Oh no, it shouldn't be. <laughs> like a, a lot of games now, you do the hold to skip. Yeah. Octopath Traveler too, it does yep. hold to skip the cutscenes. Resident Evil Four remake. There you go. But yeah, like I could see like you know like a, a a Souls like game where during the action, like during not cut scenes, if you press the home button, it shouldn't pause. Yeah. Just so that you have zero I mean, possibility yeah, to pause because you, you can't pause in those <laughs> games at all anyways. So. Yeah. But uh, so Octopath Traveler two, I guess the long and short of it is if you've played the first game, you've played the second game. It is maybe the most incremental sequel I've played in a very long time, not counting sports games. Okay. Like, they added some smart stuff to it that makes it better for sure, but the core of the game is still the pretty much the exact same. Like, I, I hear there's actually a little bit of character interaction now. Yes, I'll get to that. Um, so the gimmick of this game is that there's eight characters in the world. You can recruit them in any order, do all these different character quests in, different, in whatever order you want. So it very much strives to be a non-linear uh, RPG. Now, there's always recommended levels for what um, quests you go and do that kind of give you a you know preferred path through the, uh, through the quests, but you don't have to follow that if you don't want to. Um, the world is very open, and... Because of that and, you know, being able to take whatever quest you want, you can go into areas that you're not supposed to be in. <laughs> uh, Lovely. Yeah, so and the random encounters will probably mess you up, but uh, depending on how frisky you're feeling about your chance on running away, you can maybe snag, like, the nearest treasure to the door in some areas. <laughs> uh, or take on some bosses quite early. I took on a uh, overworld boss, uh, like, about maybe... 10 levels earlier than I should have with my main character, like even lower or the everybody else in the game. Um, because, okay, the game does one thing that I don't really like, um, which is the first character that you pick is always in your party until the Un end. Until you've cleared their story, right? Yes. Yeah. I Unfortunately, I forgot that it was clearing their story and not clearing all stories to get them out of your party. Because I did their story last. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then I unlocked the ability to get swap them on the prime. I'm like, damn it. Oh, they're so overleveled right now. Um, 
which that, that is that's why I don't like it, is that okay you have one character that's kind of over leveled for a lot of the game and I did the quests in recommended level order for for the most part so there were some bosses that like I didn't even really get to see their gimmicks there was one boss that didn't get a turn because I was able to uh, beat them so fast um, the and that's in part due to the uh, interesting combat system that this game has where enemies have weak points that if you hit those weak points enough times the enemies will get broken and that will let you do more damage to them and will have them skip a turn there will be one like phase of turns where they won't get any actions so uh being able to plan out okay i want to be able to break my opponent here during the specific time because some opponents will like gear up for like a big attack and it'll tell you that they're gearing up. So it's like, oh snap, you really need to break them before yeah. they get this big attack out. Kind of fixes your problem with the Persona games where you just have to hit them the once and uh, they're in the weakened state. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, that's a problem for like the random encounters mostly is that they make them pretty uninteresting in my opinion. Yeah. The bosses usually don't have weak points yeah. or like make them not have weak points after a certain point or whatever. Um, but the other interesting battle mechanic in this game is that every turn your character gets a boost point and you can spend those boost points to either attack more times so you can hit weak points multiple times or power up your abilities and that that creates an interesting kind of dynamic where you want to kind of like save save them up to unleash these big attacks while the enemy is broken to like maximize your damage and stuff like that but doing that properly leads to situations where you can kind of win easily. <laughs> so that was a bit, a bit of a problem. But largely, I think the combat in this game is quite good uh, for, yeah, for a JRPG. Because I've still only played f like five hours of the first game. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I, it's one I do want to go back to. But I did really enjoy the combat. Yeah, and... You know, each character has their own uh, separate job, and then you can assign or class or whatever. I guess I'll just say class, and you can assign subclasses to each of your characters. Um, in this game, you can assign multiple uh, of subclasses to more than one character if you complete certain quest objectives. So you can have a party of merchants if you want, which is actually kind of overpowered because <laughs> uh, you just throw money at the problem and it goes away. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so that's that's all well and good. Um, and so each, would you say there's even a need to play the first one or you can just go to the second one? So I'd say if you haven't played the first one, you should play the, se the second one instead of the first one because I think what they add in the second one, which I'll get to, uh, does improve the game, and there's nothing important that ties to the first game. There's a couple references. That's it. Okay. Um, uh, some of the stuff they added. Uh, they added day-night system. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, where uh, during the day and during the night, uh, different NPCs will be out and about or in different places sometimes. And each of your characters has an uh, overworld action that they can take whether it be stealing items from NBCs, inquiring information from them, beating them up. Uh, and so each character has different overworld actions between day and night uh, that usually, you know, are get a task done for either money, probability, or just a flat level check for the most part. And so solving those little like things in the world, like some quests you have to solve that way where, oh, you know, there's this one person that just won't ever just isn't waking up on time okay well you need to knock them out during the daytime so they get enough sleep <laughs> so that the next day they'll be they'll be able to uh go and fish properly so there's some good writing between all the quests and npcs and stuff like that and one of the things that's nice is that talking to npcs will like say one thing when you inquire information about them get information about them you'll find out that like maybe like they're more hidden thoughts basically so that adds context to what they're saying and some people are just like complete complete 180s or you'll get like fun little references and jokes in that so that's all quite good now are you you're also able to just toggle the night day yes yes you are so which is nice and the music changes between night and day okay where like nighttime is like a more somber version of the uh 
the day theme, which is nice. Um, and enemies at, at, at nighttime are more powerful. If, generally, or, yes. You'll yeah, encounter okay. more powerful enemies at night. However, there's one kind of snag in that, and that's that there are a couple characters that apply. One character, uh, the character I started as, Throne the Thief, applies buffs to your party when you have a battle at night. And the cleric, who I got second, Temenos, applies debuffs to the enemy at nighttime. So it's actually easier to fight during nighttime if those two members are in your party. Uh, and that's, which is kind of funny. That, so it, that's really good synergy right there. Yeah. Um, but one other thing that they added that I think was a very good addition was um, they had a separate gauge for each character where once it fills up, they are able to take it, do a character-specific action. For example, Throne can do an additional action that turn. Temenos uh, can... Uh, reduce the enemy's like shield points regardless of hitting a weak point or not so that makes it so that not every because in, in the previous game certain characters were just better at other characters jobs <laughs> like you know the war the warrior just had the highest strength growth so they were just like the best at it, any of the physically based jobs but having these more character specific actions that, that you can take makes the characters more unique in their starting job, for example. So that's good. Um, the game is also a bit less formulaic than the first game. There's a couple uh, quests that are uh, for the same character that are of the same level, so you can kind of... Because in the first game it was just like, recruit character, first quest, second quest, third quest, for every single character, and was kind of, you know... Very, it felt very formulaic. In this one, some quests like don't have like a big boss at the end. There's like one that just has like no combat at all. It's just investigation. Okay. So they try to vary it up a bit. Each different characters have different like amount of chapters to their story. So that's good because that, that's the biggest problem that I had with the first game was it was just formulaic. Um, so well, apparently, for the first game, um, I think this was in a interview with the developers they didn't actually intend for people to go get all eight people really they intended you just they, they kind of felt people would just build a party of four and then just go through the game like that why <laughs> also well i mean they made the bonus boss in the first game required you to get everybody so it's just, so how's that huh <laughs> contradiction objection um and there's uh, without spoiling anything, it's the same thing here where there's a boss at the end where you have to complete everybody's uh, quests to be able to access. Um, one thing that they add that was nice was, was the other main problem I had with the first game was there was no character interaction like you brought up. There's more in this game where there's a couple uh, paired paths where there's four there where like two characters in each one. There's no crossover between those, which is another problem. Uh, so that's nice because, you know, you're building a party of eight, these eight characters, but they felt completely disparate in the first game. There was barely any interaction. Now there is. So you get to see how your characters react and feel more like a party instead of eight people that just happen to run into each other. Yeah. Because um, it was weird. You'd be going through, like, someone's story in the first one, and it's just the rest of the party's just not there at all. Yeah. And then battle starts, and then, you know, they just show up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing in this one for the main character's path, and there's also parts in certain main character's paths where if you had, for example, a thief that's very good at thieving things, maybe that would help you out in this, but, of course, they're nowhere to be seen except for battles. The problem with the paired paths is that there's they're too short. There's, like, one uh, when you complete, like, the first quest of everybody, and then one when you complete all the quests for everybody. So they could have done a bit more there, I think. Um, and the fact that they're only static between two characters, like, you know, okay, so Throne and Temenos, that's their their route. They don't get to interact with anybody else, really, which is a shame. Uh, okay, what else? Um, the thing that I think would make this easier is just, I understand the problem of having character interaction in the individual routes, but just make, they should just make getting all eight characters mandatory. <laughs> like, that's, like, what you said about the, what yeah. the initial development of the game, that's completely mind-boggling to me. I never would have thought that in a million years, but they should just make it, 
make you grab everybody and make you be able to swap between party members whenever you want. That doesn't unlock until you've finished everybody's uh, character quest. Uh, otherwise, you have to swap at a tavern, which makes things kind of inconvenient because there's some characters that are out in dungeons or on like traveling sections where you need specific path actions to, you know, do stuff with mm, them. Yeah, and you might not have the character in your party, so you got to go all the way to the back, tavern, yeah. grab the grab the purpose, and get back there. Kind of a hassle that doesn't need to be there. Uh, the other like you know main uh, selling point of this game is the art. For it, oh yeah, of course. Um, These games look beautiful. Yeah, it does. What the Square Enix has called their like 2D HD pixel art or whatever, where it's you know it's pixel art textures on like a fully rendered 3D environment. It's made it's made on Unreal, uh, and yeah, the game looks very pretty. There's a lot of nice lighting effects, particle effects. Uh, a lot of the characters have like a decent amount of animations for their little sprite animations. Which is good. The thing is, though, is that I played on Switch, and the Switch is an underpowered machine. Oh no! And so there were there were some frame rate drops in this game. It's like, come on, Unreal, why you gotta do this? So, uh, some they were largely like in battle when like big effects happened, and a couple different areas where there were just too many people on screen. But it wasn't that big a deal. It didn't happen very often. But it's still, it was still noticeable and still hilarious to me. <laughs> um, I will say that you know, after having having played the first game, I think the visuals in this game are a little bit less impressive just from you know being the sequel to a game that already did it. There were there weren't any uh, spots in this game where I just like set the controller down, really just like stared at the game where there were a few in the first game that i just like was like wow this is a really striking area that i'm in um but again that's due to it being very iterative so the characters in the game are pretty much like largely fine um the character stories they're not long enough i think to properly develop the characters uh especially as that a lot of characters they don't have a consistent other character in their stories to interact with and bounce off of to like really like show you know the character's growth over time where it's just like oh you know new character in this new part chapter of the story you're going to kind of like you know establish each character as base level and that's kind of it um it kind of makes like it feel like their own story is just a side quest kind of yeah <laughs> Uh, but there are a couple characters I really did like. Uh, Temenos, I mentioned earlier, he's the cleric. He's uh, one of the part of the Inquisition at the church, so he's very he's very suspicious by nature of everything, including his own faith. So he he and his story is one of the best because he has one uh, side character that shows up in pretty much all the chapters of his story, which is a uh, like sanctum knight, like a knight of the church or whatever who is extremely, like, straight-laced, like, on-the-nose, like, eyes-forward kind of thing. So having that, you know, straight man to Temenos' like, kind of wry, sarcastic attitude was really good. And, the, and you know, each, each of them having those personalities helped them in their quest to, you know, get to the bottom of some stuff. And the other amazing character is the merchant Particio. I almost started as him because he, has, he had the best look. He had the best drip out of everybody. He's got this big yellow coat, a big old hat. Uh, and he is, he's fighting the most evil villain of all. Capitalism. Oh. <laughs> Where he just wants to, he just wants to see poverty stricken from the world. And he's gonna, you know, go around the world and be like the most optimistic guy with a southern, like, accent you've ever seen. The world needs more Robin Hoods. <laughs> he's not even like but here's the thing he's not steal from the rich and distribute to the poor he's buy from the rich and distribute to the poor <laughs> he's going to use okay. his mer mercantile wiles to get buttloads of money and do some really silly things with it <laughs> let's just say that and he is responsible for some inventions in that in the octopath traveler world that are really funny to think of somebody inventing that for example he invented the first department store <laughs> as, as part of one of his quests and it's like that's crazy 
So his story, his story is really good, and every time he has any kind of interaction with any of the other characters is really good because there are like little bits of um, interactions during quests if you have the right characters in your party at the right time, which I wish they were voiced. They're not, which is weird because like the rest of the uh, quests and stuff are voiced, and the voice act is quite good. Um, whatever. Uh, so I mean, again, the long and short of it is. If you haven't played the first game, I'd recommend this game over it. If oh, you've probably. played the first game, it's been quite a while. Um, you can play this game and enjoy it, but don't expect anything really groundbreaking. If you just want more Octopath Traveler, this is more Octopath Traveler. Uh, I would also say play on a different platform than the Switch if you can. <laughs> and I, I think this one simultaneously released on PC, PC I PC believe. PC and PlayStation, I think. Maybe PlayStation as well. I know the first game's on PC. Um, but the other thing is, like, I, I still think that this game is asking a bit much at full price. <laughs> mm, I, yeah. Like, you know, I did get 60 hours worth out of it, but it wasn't, like, nonstop, like, great 60 hours. It was mostly good 60 hours. Was, I actually played this game in a very odd way than I normally do, where I didn't, like, binge play it. Like most games, where I, I played it like for like maybe like an hour, hour and a half, and then put it down, did something else, came back to it, and even like multiple times a day, I would do that. But it was just like do a character's quest or explore a dungeon, then put it down, do something else, come back to it. Because there's a lot of minutia in the game, especially with the path actions and me being very obsessive, where I wanted, I basically wanted to steal everything from everybody <laughs> and like get get all the information from everybody that I could. So that was you know. That could get a bit like, I won't say frustrating, but it made me like restless having to like go to all these NPCs and do this little stuff. I don't know, but I mean, I still think it's a recommend. I think it's like it's the definition of solid, in my opinion. So it's it's like the most seven point five yeah. game out of ten that you could have in well, in my rating scale at least. Okay. I'm not going to give it an eight, even though that would be very on brand. <laughs> an eight has to do something. As, an eight has to be do something great. This game does pretty much everything good. <laughs> so now that's what I spent my time on, really. Uh, well, but the only other thing I did was uh, not watch the Mario movie. Yet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that I don't know if you saw. Critically, did not do great, but the fan reception's been pretty good, and apparently I'm hearing it's just like, yeah, it's a kid's movie. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but what I did watch was the Tetris movie. I still know next to nothing about what this movie is. <laughs> it's it's just about the, uh, the them trying to acquire the rights get the rights out of the Soviet Union to uh, publish outside of outside of oh, there. Oh, okay. It, it, it's not like... It's not a Tetris movie. Yeah, like it's a biopic, basically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but not being a documentary, yeah, it gets... The hand of Hollywood is all over yeah, the movie. Yeah, it's, it's dramatized <laughs> to hell. Sure. Um, but it, it, it's, it was still a really enjoyable movie. Um, and the... Uh, the the the, the uh, real life uh, Hank Rogers, uh, like the character that's followed throughout the movie, like in, in real in real life, he actually said that the movie is it's a hundred percent emotionally accurate. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> like uh, the tension, emotion that's there. Like, yeah, it it it's depicted well for like what was being felt like trying to secure these rights and everything. Um, like, but there's like this big, like at the end, there's like a car chase. What? Okay. Which did not happen in real life. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, but like the tension there, that it's like what they were actually feeling at that time. Um, at, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a very enjoyable movie gives you a good idea of what like what things were like there trying to get the rights out of the out of the USSR um and, and the movie kind of depicts it as a bit of it's a bit of a race to get it 
get the rights because it's like right at the end of the collapse of the USSR. Mm. Um, but like there, there was like more time there in real life. It wasn't quite right there. Yeah, yeah but, of course. Um, yeah, great, uh, great performances all around from all the actors, and I, I give it a, uh, I give it a big recommend. <laughs> you give it a line piece out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> one line, th- one line piece up. <laughs> um, yeah, and. They do occasionally do like sprinkle in some like little video game graphics here and there in oh the movie. <laughs> um, like there's a moment at the beginning where uh, Hank Rogers is trying to get a, a loan, and he's just talking about Tetris and how uh, like he played it for five minutes and it stuck with him. He still sees falling blocks in his <laughs> dreams. As and he say as he's saying this, you see like Tetris blocks falling behind him, and it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've had that. Yeah. I've literally had that. <laughs> the Tetris effect is real. It's, it's extremely real. Um, uh, but yeah, and throughout the movie, like in the soundtrack, they sprinkle in Ooh. like the main Tetris theme. Like just, I'd say it might be subtle for some people, but for yeah. <laughs> but for people who like have played Tetris and know that theme, like it's not subtle at all. <laughs> um. The, and the movie also features not one but two covers of uh holding out for a hero what a japanese what? and a russian version wow that's incredible <laughs> um yeah no it's just a it's a fun fun movie obviously just hollywooded up but just gives you a good idea of uh the nightmare that it was getting those rights for the game. Awesome. I think all the pieces have fallen into place then for us to uh, end this podcast. If you have yep. anything else. Um, I the only other thing I can think of is they had that 10 minute presentation of for tears of the kingdom. Oh yeah. I didn't catch any of that. Uh, it, it's got me interested because yeah. there's a mechanic which allows you to fuse weapons together. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and when you do this, it does actually restore the durability mm. of a weapon you used. Um, in there, they show you, for demonstration, they show like Link just having a tree branch and then attaching a rock to it for a makeshift ah. club or putting a pitchfork on a long stick to have an even longer pitchfork. <laughs> um, but I just... I it it's with the, the durability is still there and I wasn't a fan of the durability but this kind of changes that a bit for me because now I I can get creative with the weapons that are about yeah. to break. Yeah. See what kind of monstrous I I I want like a candelabra of weapons. Like <laughs> it, it it starts as one sword and then there's like how, how many candles are like 12 13 a lot. And it's just like just all these different I I doubt I'll be able to make a monstrosity like that, but I would love it if I could. Yeah. I I want I want to see them get like Dead Rising 2 with, the, with these weapons. <laughs> that, that, that I I would say that is kind of how it feels. Like there's no <laughs> recipes you have to like find to create. It's just kind of like what do you got? <laughs> but yeah, I I want to see how that goes and they did show off the uh the vehicle construction a little bit as well (laughs) which we saw which you can see uh in our nintendo direct reaction from february that's that's so weird (laughs) that's the direction they went well apparently because that was kind of inspired by uh what players were doing in breath of the wild like players were already like finding very very innovative ways to traverse that environment yeah because you could um octrox would drop octo balloons which you could attach to items and then they would just like inflate and just start lifting them up so people were trying to trying to make like little airships with those octo balloons and it kind of just or using that weird like freeze but force is still applied to the object power to like smack up (laughs) think something a few times jump on and then get launched yep (laughs) Um, but I mean, you've got, it seems like different tools this time around. Mm -hmm. You've also got, you can reverse time on an object. Okay. And 
you have the ability to phase through objects. No, like you can only, turn on no clip? only going up. Like oh. they demonstrate it by like uh, if there's a ceiling, if there's a ceiling above you, you can just aim it at the ceiling and you'll just go up through what through the ceiling and you'll just appear on top of what on the, on the top. Okay, you'll just come crawling out of a hole in the ground on the top. It's weird. Yeah, but I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take a new traversal mechanics because. One of the most annoying things to me in Breath of the Wild was I'm trying to climb something and then it starts raining. Yep. Because <laughs> you just cannot climb in the rain. <laughs> um, but yeah, after coming off of replaying Breath of the Wild, as I talked about last time, seeing that kind of got me a little more excited for Tears of the Kingdom again. Mm-hmm. Um, not excited about that $90 price tag, but... Uh, well, it is what it is, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna buy those uh, a pair of those uh, Nintendo Switch Online uh, vouchers. Yeah, and use one of those for that. <laughs> get that, get that slight savings. Yeah, don't know what I'll use the other one for yet, but that's uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, so I guess we can wrap up then. Uh, if you again, if you'd like to get in contact with us, three levels deep at outlook.com. You can check us out on YouTube, Three Levels Deep on there. Uh, we've started a new series where we play fighting games every month. Yep, mediocre monthlies. Yes, because as we are quite mediocre at fighting games, and sometimes the fighting games we play are going to be quite mediocre. Like, <laughs> potentially the one we're going to play uh, uh, t- today after this recording, yep. which we won't <laughs> say, but it's, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a tree burner, not a barn burner, or a bush burner, sorry. Uh, so uh, check that out and, you know, give us a follow on our Twitch channel, Twitch, uh, Three Levels Deep TV on Twitch for just in case I decide to start streaming Monster Rancher at 10 a.m. or whatever. You'll be able to see that. And that about wraps it up. Uh, have a good rest of the month. Uh, yeah. Catch you later. Yeah.